I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck has foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd alert! Great Scott! It's me, the Doc, joining you this week from somewhere in time and space via a time machine, possibly even a DeLorean. What happened to your favorite host in all of podcasting? You may be wondering, but don't worry. He's still here somewhere. We have a uh, very special episode in store for you today. Uh, no, nobody's going to get addicted to caffeine pills. I'm uh, so excited. <laughs> uh, but before we get to that, let's get some introductions out of the way. First of all, to my right, wearing a lovely green and red kilt, and carrying his giant Scottish claymore, doing his best to take out an entire squads of men with one swing. He is the man that keeps the nerd in, ta- in nerd alert. Sorry. The one and only host, the one and only host of the fastest growing podcast in the Talk Nerdy family, Commander Scott. What? Why did did, did I just get compared to Braveheart? Uh, yeah. <laughs> why? You are you are now the fictional William Wallace. <laughs> oh, it is lovely Scottish weather, madam. The rain is falling straight down. Well, slightly <laughs> like. That's my William William Wallace impression. Anyway, um. Yeah, so uh, 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 I try to bring something nerdy and unusual to the show every time I, I pop on because I don't just like yep. coming in and saying hi. Um, I found out recently that there's a farm in uh, Croker, Virginia, owned by a one Howard Hankins, which houses uh, 18 to 20 foot high concrete busts of every president of the United States from George Washington to George W. Okay. Yeah, they're just sitting in a field on a farm in Virginia. And the reason for this, you can go see them if you wish. Uh, It's recommended that you contact uh, 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 Howard um, beforehand so you're not trespassing, but he's more than willing to let people look at them. Um. The reason for this is in uh, 2004, there was a park opened called Presidential Park. Uh, it was a 10-acre sculpture park associated with an indoor, well, indoor museum located in Williamsburg, Virginia. It opened in 2004. 
uh, and uh, closed in 2010 uh, because it was financially losing money and they went bankrupt and the the people that owned the land, the, the investors and stuff basically auctioned off the land. Uh, and they they hired Mr. Hankins to come in and dispose of the sculptures um, because uh, they, they didn't sell with everything. They were just going to be disposed of. However, once he started loading them on the trucks, he, he's like, you know, I just I can't get rid of these. He's like, it's kind of a Mount Rushmore kind of a thing. It's something that doesn't happen every day and to destroy these would just be. You know, uh, a crime. So he had them hauled to his private farm, where he has been storing them with the hopes that at some point in the future, somebody could use them for something. But yeah, yeah. George, that is uh, George W. Eighteen to twenty foot tall concrete busts of presidents. That's uh, yeah. Uh. But that is that is intriguing. Also, the first time you, when you said Croker, Virginia, I thought you were going to say a, a uh, farm filled with frogs. And uh, I was it's really where I was hoping that story was going to go. Frog get it, frogs, because they croak. Everybody get it? Frog, frog farm. Co- croaker, Hello? Croaker. Hello? This thing on? Hello? Oh, crap, <laughs> man. Uh, well, thank you, Scott. Always, you always got something interesting and nerdy for us. I love it. <laughs> I try. Uh, and so to my left, wearing his horned helmet, his leather wraps and chain mail, making a ruckus, banging his sword against his shield. And if I don't introduce him, he might go berserk. Huh? Huh? See what I did? See what I did there? He is your favorite host in all of podcasting, Obi John. Hello there. Uh, skull? Skull. 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 I like it, Skull. Yes. Uh, yeah, I like to give my intro, you know, just short and sweet. I don't like to take up, you know, 20 minutes of the show to tell you about, you know, fields of statues and warships that can't get nuked and all that kind of stuff, you know. You know, teach their own. It's whatever. I feel targeted. Well, I feel targeted by yours. So, <laughs> Mr. I don't like to just come out here and say hi. Oh, I see how it is. Okay. My whole catchphrase. Hello there. Wow. <laughs> Also, I'm a little disappointed. I uh, thought Jay was really going to go with the hello there. Hello there. That's a no, joke. sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Mr. Well, Host with the most. First of all, great job with the intros. Keep it up. Really proud of you. Really proud of you. Um, I'm just going to retire and let you take over. So what are we doing today, Jay? Well, today I came up with this idea. Uh, we We all know that I'm sort of the resident sports ball person. Um, I'm not that you guys don't know sports or watch sports, but I probably watch more than my fair share. And I was thinking since it's March and everybody likes March madness brackets, that's the popular thing right now. Uh, so I thought, why not do a March madness bracket? But of course in nerd alert style, we cannot do a bracket just about sports or anything mundane. Although that was part of our conversation was being mundane. So, uh, I issued a challenge to come up with what we think are the greatest swordsmen in fiction. Of course, there are a few caveats to this. There are no superpowers allowed, no force powers, no magic. Basically, just your skill with a sword. Yeah, the, <laughs> the the text chain of us 
<laughs> throwing out candidates could have been a show unto itself. Yes. Uh, especially because some people didn't see every text. Just so, like, you know, right. I, I think I threw out Obi-Wan as my first one, obviously. And then that uh, led to, I think Scott gave the example of, well, if we're doing that, then you get weird, funky stuff like, you know, fantasy characters like Obi-Wan versus Gandalf. And we started, you know, we kind of fell down that rabbit hole because that'd be an awesome fight. I want to see that fight. But. <clears throat> Scott and I then kind of agreed. You're right. If people have like superpowers and magic abilities, then we're really just that's what we're fighting about, and not like their skills as swordsmen. And then the very next right. thing from Jay was his list. Like, okay, here's my picks, guys: Yoda <laughs> and Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> like, what did we just say? Uh, yeah, sorry. Although, that's like a school teaching, you know that yeah. thing. Well, yeah, and, and although although that's not to be said that we can't revisit the whole you know fantasy superpower version of this in the future, you know. Yes. Yeah. Every March uh, we do some kind of tournament, so we'll yeah. keep you know we'll tuck that away. And that's one thing we talked about. You know, uh, we kind of decided we either should go full mundane or we should go you know full fantasy. You know, we we should you know one or the other. So I was tasked with creating a bracket. Uh, John and Scott do not know my bracket. I was the only one who was aware of the bracket. But you had to be prepared to defend your choice when they appeared in battle. So, imagine in a world where eight warriors are thrown together in some sort of coliseum to fight to the death. In Secret Wars. Was Was that good? Was it good? It's good. I like it. Okay. Okay. So, first up. You do a good trailer voice guy. (laughs) Well, our first pairing. Okay. You know him. He's got a special sword. It means a lot to him. You killed his father. Prepare to die. (laughs) Inigo Montoya. Versus. He's masked. He's a marauder. He's a savior of the people. I bring you Zorro. So, well, Inigo uh, versus Zoro is no, wait, our first any, match. Any, 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 any old Zoro? No, no, Antonio Banderas. Specifically, Alejandro Marietta from Mask of Zoro. Okay. Yes, the Antonio Banderas. Uh, wait, wait was I allowed to collectively have every Zoro ever as one entrant? Can I do that? <laughs> <laughs> I just need like three hours to get notes done, and I'll be right back. <laughs> it's collectively Zoro. <laughs> Uh, I'll limit so, just that one version. <laughs> I, I think we're just limiting the version here. Yeah. All right, that that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I guess. So there and you not, go. That's our first right. matchup. And not because Docs, it benefits please. me later in the show. Uh, <laughs> I believe Inigo was Scott's choice. Yes. Inigo Montoya was mine. Uh, because when you, you know, I, I, I thought of Swordsman and I was late to the, to the, to the whole nominations uh, game because I had a busy day at work and everything. And so literally I was last minute. I was like, oh, swordsman, swordsman, you know, who do I have? And and, and Inigo Montoya just popped into my head and, and he was awesome. Uh, portrayed, of course, in The Princess Bride by the, by the great Manny Potemkin, uh, who can never be surpassed in pretty much everything he does. Um, but when it comes to Inigo Montoya, You've got this this gentleman who, yes, exactly. That's just what my computer intoned there. Um, 
you have this gentleman whose father was uh, a, a, a master class swords maker, uh, uh, a, a, what would you call it? A, a, a swordsmith, a, a weapons master, a weapons forger, a dude that makes metal into straight blade things. Uh, Tori Hanso, if you will. Yeah. Um, so he grew up around swords and, 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 and everything. And uh, eventually his father was commissioned to create a, a sword perfectly balanced, you know, uh, uh, that would surpass all of the blades for a specific person. Uh, and it was the uh, uh, the six fingered man is the only the only thing he knew him by. And, and when the six finger man came to collect the sword, um, uh, he, he, he killed Inigo Montoya's father. And so he, he dedicated himself to vengeance from that day forward. And he studied under every sword fighting master in the, in the world of, uh, um, I can't remember the name, the guy who wrote the book, but in that world, he studied under the masters, uh, and everything with the intention of, of getting, uh, uh, revenge. And uh, it, he was he was the greatest swordsman in that world, bested only by the man in black. Uh, he, he fought with his left hand because it was more of a challenge for him because nobody could best him right handed. Uh, his, his sword was was the, the finest blade ever crafted. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to, to put. I mean, he he, he could look. You know, at 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 a at an area, and he could tell you exactly how the fight came out. He's so in tune with his sword, uh, and and and, uh, and that's why I went with Inigo Montoya. Uh, his grace with a blade was unsurpassed, uh, saved by the Man in Black. But that's a literary thing, so you know. Anyway, mm-hmm. well, it's Solid appropriate pick. that Jay. Fitted Inigo Montoya against yet another man in black, Azoro. Uh, specifically, I uh, like what we said the, the Antonio Banderas version from The Mask of Zorro from 1998. Um, great movie. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Some of the best sword fighting ever. Um, and, and first of all, let me say Scott, Inigo Montoya, great choice. I can't argue against it. Inigo Montoya, if, if you're picking best fictional sword fighters for movies, he is top five. Um, he is a man who's totally dedicated his life to his craft, and that is respectable. I respect that, sir. Um, <clears throat> but I'm going to tell you why Zoro's going to beat him. Right. Uh, first of all, so this Alejandro uh, begins his life as a criminal and, and <coughs> a con man, a thief, whose brother and he, he thinks uh, best friend. We find out later that best friend lives for a little while longer. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's the second time I shot that man while I saw him through the year. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Focus, focus, John. Great <laughs> okay. movie. Uh, are, are killed, uh, and he strikes off to get revenge. And I know you're like, John, we've already heard this. Like, just, just hold on. It, it gets a little different. Not a whole lot different, but a little different. <laughs> uh, he storms off, he gets drunk, gets a sword, and he goes off to kill the guy who killed his brother and his best friend. And as fate would have it, he is intercepted by Don Diego de la Vega, the original Zorro. And I'm not going to get into the whole story of what's happening with him, save to say he's recently been freed and is looking to, again, uh, exact his own kind of revenge. Uh, and he says, uh, Diego says to him, there's an old saying, when the student is ready, the master will appear. And uh, Don Diego de la Vega takes him in and and trains him personally uh, 
to take over his role as the hero of the people, Zorro, uh, who's been missing from the land ever since Diego was locked up. Um, so this particular Zorro leans much more heavily into his swordplay than the other skills that uh, your, your traditional Zorro has, particularly uh, traditional Zorro also has the whip that he uses in conjunction with the sword. And, and this version does not use the whip as much. He leans very heavy into his swordplay. Uh, and you can chalk that up to, you know, whatever you want to, he, you know, he wasn't good with the whip. He didn't need to learn the whip. We had to differentiate two different Zoros, whatever. Uh, but he is a very quick student and learns very fast from the master swordsman of the land um, in, in the, the fighters circle. <clears throat> uh, we get one of the greatest movie montages ever. Um, Zoro also doesn't just lean on his sword play. He's also highly acrobatic, uh, leaping, jumping, fighting on top of tables and on elevated positions and swinging around straight up buckling some swash. Um, frequently fights against, uh, superior numbers. And in fact, I think there's only a handful of fights where he's just one-on-one. He's pretty much always fighting at least two, if not more people. There's a great sequence where he stumbles into the enemy barracks and has to literally fight his way out of the barracks where he's surrounded by dozens of soldiers. Uh, and to do this, his other big strength is using his surroundings as a weapon, uh, not just awareness of what's around him, but how to use that. He's sort of like Jackie Chan with a fencing sword. Um, there's a great scene where he uses a sliding cage door to disarm like four opponents all at once and in one big slide, um, uses a cannonball to knock out a superior or, or a bigger opponent's teeth. Um, and, and I could go on about uh, examples of, again, using his surroundings, not just his sword. Uh, and then the ultimate X factor, when you're talking about Zoro, you have to talk about the man has superior home turf advantage. Uh, he is, again, the hero of the people. The people are on Zorro's side. He's fighting for them, and they love him for it. And they're happy to help hide him or smuggle him intelligence or or you know whatever they need uh, to help their hero Zorro win. And there's also that psychological thing. Uh, because what does Zorro leave behind on his enemies and where he's been? He leaves the Z for Zorro. Bad signals are cool, Bruce Wayne. All right? They're cool. But Zorro did it first with a Z. Uh, to mark where he's been and and claim, you know. So there's that psychological factor of his his enemies of we didn't see what happened, but the Z is there. It must have been Zorro. Um, so there is my argument. Um, I think that's all my notes uh, for why this particular man in black. Um, it would be a great fight. I would love to watch it. But Zorro's going to come out on top. Um, you know, and and not to mention the fact that you know he he uh, he learned the most important lesson. You know. In sword fighting, which is you know, the the pointy end goes into the other man. Now, he already knew that part. Okay, he knew that. <laughs> oh, he knew that part going in. <laughs> Do you know how to use that thing? Yeah, the pointy end goes into the other man. <laughs> Love that. a lot of work. It is a great movie. It really is. Uh, you know, side, uh, sideways ends, notwithstanding. But you know, well, sideways ends. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So there, there you go. That's um, that's my Zorro. So I'm gonna assume I can, that, I can keep rambling on me, but yeah, I mean I'm, I'm gonna, it, it's up to you. You know, you you can pick the guy who trained for like a month and a half, or you can pick the guy who you know trained with masters for most of his entire adult life. I'm just saying, pick the guy who only needed one master because it's fucking Zorro, and who else do you need to bother learning to? And by the way, um, we don't know how long that montage was, so <laughs> montages are tiny that... wimey, okay? <laughs> They're in a pocket where time doesn't exist. They're there as long as they need to to get good and then come out. That's how montages work. See, 
See, and now, if we ever gotten now, the Amigo Montoya prequel movie, I'm sure there would have been a montage. See, now I want a comedic short, you know, where somebody is training <laughs> somebody to do something, and they go into like the 80s montage, and they come out, and like everybody else is an old man in a nursing home because they were in the montage for like <laughs> they, 50 years. Yeah. They were just really bad. <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm assuming Scott's voting for his own guy, and John's voting for his own guy. I think that's the so same. So it's up to me. Yeah. Uh well so here's here's my thoughts. Um I don't disagree that it would be an amazing fight, especially to watch. Uh there'd be a lot of things, a lot of acrobatics, uh probably a lot of banter, way more banter than you would ever ever imagine. Oh, the banter uh, would be awesome in this fight. Yes, like they could like not even cross swords and the banter is probably <laughs> already on point. Uh However, I have to give the edge to Inigo Montoya. Bullshit. Uh, <laughs> flipping tables. It's done. This is rigged. I, <laughs> the whole thing's rigged. I feel, I feel like Inigo uh, just has more experience over Zoro. Not that Zoro wouldn't be able to hold his own, um, but Inigo did dedicate his life to swordplay. Uh, so... I'm going to go with an ego on this one. Uh-huh. 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 Sorry, John. No, you're not. <laughs> it's all right. That's so how this works. Inigo. All right. So Nigo moves on. Okay. Nigo moves up. All right. Our next duel. Our next By duel. By the way, I, I, very... I would watch the shit out of an Inigo Montoya prequel movie. Yeah, me too. Hollywood. Yeah. Our next duel. Uh, is an interesting one. It's definitely two different styles. So first, we have a Greek legend. Uh, he is a master at his craft in his own way. Uh, he is Achilles, and we're talking about the Brad Pitt Achilles from the movie Troy. Going up against another man who's a legend mostly to himself, uh, until later you find out that, indeed, he is a legend. To a lot more people. Uh, we know him. We love him. Porthos the Pirate. Played by Oliver Platt. Alrighty. So. I gotta defend two here. <laughs> yes. Two, two in a uh, row for me. Alright. Uh, so anyway. Sorry. Um, I gotta go find the burn cream after that last round. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want me to start Scott then with Achilles? Or? I think start. you should. Yeah go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, the Achilles that I'm going with is not the one from Greek mythology that is supposedly been dipped into the river Styx to make him impervious except for his heel. All right? Um, I'm going with the movie version. And since that is never actually said in the movie, I'm just going to assume that he is just a normal Greek warrior. Well, however, well, yeah. Sorry. Um one thing here, and and you know, with Achilles, I, I'd, I'd like to point out that that I love the way the tr the movie Troy deals with that, because you know, spoilers if you haven't seen it, Achilles gets killed. Um, uh, but the the shot that that takes him out of the fight is just a random shot to his heel, like to his Achilles yes. tendon, you know, right, uh, which disables him and everything. Yeah, but in my opinion. The way they present it is that, you know, he's just he's never been defeated and he's never been hurt in a fight. 
because he's just that awesome with a blade. Yeah. It's just his skill is so awesome. And that that the legend of him being impervious to damage grew after his death. Yeah. You know, that that he is mundane in and of him to himself. And I love the way that movie does present that. It is very good. Great. Uh all so right, so Jason, oh, wait, argument. that was your guy. Sorry, Jay, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I know I just advocated for Achilles, but I can't help it. I, okay. I, I got to give credit for credits, dude. The movie does a beautiful job. Yeah. No, the, so, the movie's uh, great. It, it presents Troy as if it was a historical event and not necessarily like uh, um, a myth mythology. story from myth and legend. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, so check it out if you haven't seen it that way. That being said, Jay, you're, okay. you're Achilles. So the way that I did this is I sort of listed out the things that I would say would help him in a sword fight. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is that he's going to come in equipped with two spears, a shield and a Greek Xiphos. Uh, so Greek Xiphos is a double edged single hand straight sword. It's got bellies on both sides. So what a belly is, is kind of like an indentation, uh, like a curve. And that, uh, that belly helps with slashes and, and cuts. So it doesn't drag on a slash um the shield i'm assuming is just like your classic bronze shield uh and i assume that his sword is also bronze uh his only job like his only job in greece was to be a warrior he had his own ship with his own group of men he was basically like a warlord of greece uh not only that, he's he's also he's got armor, he's got the helmet and chest armor, but he still has some exposed soft points like around his legs and shoulders. Uh, the one thing that I I pointed out was that he's incredibly fast and agile and super aggressive in his fighting style. It, he's always swinging, and in the one of my favorite scenes is when he sleeps in at the day of the battle and. <laughs> um, Oh, I can't think of his name. The character, like Agamemnon. Agamemnon says, "Oh, you bring your best, I'll bring my best." And then they call forth, you know, this big dude, and then he just yells, "Achilles!" And everybody cheers. And then he's like, "Oh shit, where's Achilles?" And then he shows up, and he's there for what, 10, 15 seconds. He stops two spears with it. He stops a spear with a shield, dodges another, jumps and stabs the guy down through the chest and then walks away like done fast agile incredibly aggressive uh and not only that but when he did have to fight somebody of equal caliber in hector hector was arguably the best warrior in all of troy it was an epic battle but he still came out on top and defeated hector uh so that's First my defense. The Hector victims. Achilles fight. If you've never seen the movie and don't want to see it through a three-hour movie, just YouTube the Hector Achilles fight because it's one of the greatest fight scenes ever made. Yeah, it's badass. And 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 the entire <laughs> sleep in, show up, wreck shit, go home. That yeah, that's yeah. He's a badass. There's no arguing that. Um, but I think Scott might have something to say about that. Well, so there's 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 no there's no debate on Achilles' uh, 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 position in in history and antiquity uh, as a badass. Everybody knows that. We know that. 
Um, however, the the person that we've been pitted up against here is is Porthos from the uh, Three Musketeers, specifically the Oliver Platt uh, portrayal of Porthos, Porthos the pirate, who is on quite intimate terms with the Queen of America. Unless you can prove otherwise. Just just want to throw that out there, you know. Um, I do believe his sash was a gift from her. His sash was a gift from the Queen of America. Yeah, uh, it was a, a love token, if you will. See, this is why we can't bring up the 1993 Three Musketeers, because we're just going to quote it to each other for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> this axe was a gift from the Tsarina of Tokyo. Is it Tokyo? Tokyo. Yeah. Tokyo. Yes. yeah, the Tsarina of Tokyo. <laughs> Come, D'Artagnan. We're saving the king. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. All right. <laughs> Love Porthos. So see, Porthos doesn't even have to fight Achilles. He can just quip him to death. That's true. <laughs> that is, that's literally, Achilles, I, I honestly Achilles, think, bless you. So literally <laughs> So literally, I I think if they started to fight, Porthos would just pull out some wine. <laughs> And they would get drunk together. Probably. <laughs> you know? Share, uh, share war stories. I killed exactly. this many so, men. Oh. Like, 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 like Porthos would show up and there'd be no Achilles, right? And they'd be like, where's Achilles? And so they would, you know, Porthos would then come back to Achilles' tent and find him like half drunk there. And he'd be like, really? Why didn't you share this? This is what you got? And literally they start drinking together and, and that would be it. They'd become fast friends. Um... But so however, this this duel ends in a tie where they're both <laughs> drunk and passed out. All right. However, however, uh, you know when it comes to his actual skill with the blade, Porthos is one of these gentlemen that he is he is very skillful with the blade. I will admit up front he is not as um, uh, aggressive as Achilles is presented in the Troy movie because you are correct, Jay. Like. You know his fighting style is very much he doesn't he doesn't mince words with with you know the the whole flashy boom boom ching 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 thing he goes straight for the kill shot first and foremost as quickly as he can get there because he wants the fight to be over. But Porthos has tricks up his sleeve. You know he 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 uses his environment. Uh, he he doesn't fight with just uh, one single sword. Like Achilles has a sword and a shield, but you know uh, Porthos has his sword and his um, his parrying dagger. Uh, he has used bolos, which are still mundane, and it's not with a with a it's not straight with a blade. I agree, but you know um, we we are looking at their entire fighting style um, uh, and everything. So. Achilles, if you look at his fighting uh, style, it, it's a direct charge in. Like, he starts his engagements in every fight he does from a distance. And he he actually gets his opponent off guard by, a, by ex- adopting a, a very casual stance. And then before you can blink, he sprints into just a dead run. And that gets his people off guard, and that's how he can get his opening. That's one of his primary offensive techniques is that sprint. Well, Porthos has demonstrated, you know, many times 
that he is very much, you know, um, uh, adept at the long range. So as soon as uh, Achilles started that sprint, he'd be like, oh, I see what you're doing. He'd whip that bolo out and he'd trip him up. Or he would use his parrying dagger, okay, um, to actually, you know, off balance him and come underneath the shield with that sword. Um, uh, but between, you know, all the things that Porthos does, he's still adept, you know, as a, as a fighter, but I, I don't think Achilles, you know, dead run sprint from a distance to, uh, to, to get my opponent off guard would work against Porthos. Uh, I think that's where you would have the, the balance tip in this fight, but that's, that's just me. Well, well, this I is, mean, this is an interesting match, Jay. Um, our last one was basically two guys who were very much on the same level. Um, yeah. Um, and, and this one is is very different because you've got two guys with very different skill sets using very different weapons. Um, so it makes it a little, a little harder to judge. You have to take a little more leap of, uh, of faith. <laughs> or not leap of faith, but uh, you, you kind of have to draw your own conclusions a bit. And Achilles is a master of his style of combat. No question. But Porthos is very well adapted and also has the benefit of, so you said yourself, Achilles is using Bronze Age armor and yes, a bronze yeah. sword. Yeah. Porthos Probably, has yeah. steel. And Scott didn't bring it up because he's gentlemanly, but Porthos is not gentlemanly. Porthos would end this with one shot from a musket. I, I did not bring up the muskets. Uh, Scott you- didn't, and I'm not going to count that towards my vote because Scott didn't bring it up, but um, and that's fine. That's fine. Uh, it's very gentlemanly of Porthos to not just shoot. I think the way this would play out shoot. is they would square off. Porthos would pull out his musket, shoot him dead. And like, where's the one? Yeah, exactly. I, I, once again, I'm just like going off of their, 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 their fighting prowess with a blade. I wasn't yeah. trying to bring into the, yeah, exactly. I wasn't. And even in, and uh, again, um, Achilles style is is to close distance quickly, throw the enemy off, you know, zig when you think he's going to zag and come in for the kill shot. But Porthos is trained in fencing and fencing is all about parrying and blocking. And if Achilles doesn't get in that first hit very good or, or strategically time that first hit perfectly, Porthos has reach because his sword is longer. And he's got steel, not bronze. So I am going to edge this to Porthos. You're just doing that because I picked an ego over Zorro. <laughs> you put a musketeer against a dude in bronze armor. Sorry, dude. Again, if, if, if this was, again, if this was a more level playing field like the last one was, there'd be more to argue. But I think just the, the ta- techniques and the equipment they have at their disposal, Edge has to go to Porthos. Okay, okay. So well, if you give Achilles steel... Okay, a, a, a steel Greek sword, or give him a rapier because he doesn't know how to use a rapier. Yeah. I'm well, I'm saying, saying if it's, I'm just saying, I, 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 I already, I already wrote down Porthos, but I'm saying if, say, <laughs> no, 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 no. Jay, Jay, Jay brings up an interesting, an interesting point. So okay. if, if like, you took, if you took Achilles, as presented in the Troy movies, because because we're not experts in in actual Bronze Age. Greek right. fighting styles and stuff. We we we're we're not that in depth with the actual hi- historicity of it. 
but as portrayed, um, if you gave him steel weapons instead of Bronze Age, if you if you took out the technology of the era, um, there is a difference between a rapier um, and uh, Porthos's, like I said, Porthos's ability to engage at a distance um, versus uh, Achilles's. Um, it's it's a gladius, right? Does he have a gladius? No, it's 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 a Xiphos. It's a Xiphos. That's right. You said Xiphos. Yeah, it's not yeah. A, a Roman gladius. It's kind of like a Roman gladius, but not quite. It's not a quite. bronze one-handed short sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, provided they made the the they closed the distance, okay, and we got into the actual engaging of it. If Porthos survives that initial confrontation where that initial kill blow that Achilles likes to do, it's going to be Porthos. Like once you get into close, close action, Porthos has got him hands down because Achilles is all about that initial blow. Once he gets past that initial blow, he's kind of on heels until the other person makes a mistake as witnessed in the Hector fight. I, I don't know. I think Achilles was like the aggressor the entire time in the Hector fight. I think Hector was the one on his heels. Hector's on the defensive, but again, once that first strike doesn't work and they go blow for blow for blow, it's 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 up to Hector to make a mistake first and create an opening. Achilles doesn't necessarily create an opening. It's Hector kind of messes up because yeah. Hector isn't quite on the level. And yeah. even, even Achilles himself, because he... Hector uh, gets the the first actual contact strike where he puts that slash in his across Achilles' armor mm-hmm. that you see the rest of the movie. And yeah. when Achilles, someone they, they collect, they come to collect Hector's body, and Hector says to, uh, sorry, Achilles says to Hector's dad when they come to collect Hector's body, uh, he was the best I've ever faced. Yeah. And I think again that that goes to what Scott says is is. Once his speed and surprise attack didn't work and he came up with an opponent who could go blow for blow for him, it became more of like a battle of who's going to fuck up first. It, it, it's a war of attrition at that point. Yes. Um, All right. Well, I'm yeah. still sticking with you picked Porthos because I said that an ego would beat Zoro. <laughs> so you know what? Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. You can be <laughs> petty. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, that's all it is. Just be petty. It's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so wrong well so then that makes it interesting because in the next round we get to listen to scott argue against scott so what the hell really that can't be right y- yes but, but i'll do it i mean you know that's oh, how a bracket works Everyone's yeah. in. <laughs> this is why i make the brackets okay no that's fine if, if you want to pit two of my characters against each other because they won the first round both of them won their first round fights um I am perfectly willing to to debate it in in a in a in a logical manner. Uh, I got no problems with that. Hey, I'm just saying I I, I made the bracket. Yeah, no, you're I right. Just, that's, that's how brackets work. Yeah. All right, Scott, you know, and, and it's yourself. just it's just so. it's just so. Well, we're not done with the first round yet. We're not done with the first oh, okay. round. Yet. Yeah. We have two more. Okay. okay. So what's, what's All right. Next? So so girdle your loins, John. Girdle because my you're loins? up. Yes, whatever. I, 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 I think the term is gird. That's what I said. Girdle your loins. No, not girdle. Girdle is a whole different thing. Because this time... You keep using this word. I don't think it you. means what you think it means. 
That's right. It's yes. me versus you. Okay. Who's fighting? So, in John's corner, he is the man in tights. He is the one that you think of when you think of the OG Robin Hood, the Errol Flynn Robin Hood. Thank you. Thank you. Versus mm-hmm. there can be only one. Connor McCloud. The Highlander. Now, is okay. This Interesting. Connor Mc- is this Connor McCloud or the Clan McCloud? This is yes. Connor McCloud, like from the Highlander movie, Connor McCloud. Yeah, I was trying to make a joke. Oh. <laughs> Clan McCloud. I have a line in the movie. It's okay. It's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. All right. Okay. John, go ahead. Uh, I'm going. Okay. So, like Jay said, this is one of the most influential and often imitated sword fighters in cinematic history. Um, his final duel against God Gisborne is literally copy and pasted in everything from like Princess Bride to Hook and all kinds of sword fighting movies. It is the OG swashbuckler. Um, it is not a, a historically accurate method of sword fighting whatsoever, uh, but that's fine because it looks badass on screen and that's what it's all about. Uh, so he uses essentially a custom sword. It's not a medieval broadsword. It is a fencing style of fighting, but using a flat-bladed, one-handed, uh, long blade. Um, like my other opponent, Robin Hood is fantastic at using his environment to his advantage. Um, go take a look at uh, the the scene when he first walks in uh, to the sheriff's um Sorry, to Prince John's castle and interrupts the party. He uses everything from tables, chairs, candelabras. At one point, he beats up two goons with a dead deer on his back. Mm-hmm. Using the dead deer as a weapon. Uh, and then plops it in front of the table. Uh, he turns weaknesses into strength. He recruits those around him who have uh, useful and or superior skills to help him up his game. Uh, his fight with little John and his duel with Friar Tuck are evidence to that. If he comes across somebody who can best him, Hey, I want you on my team. I want to get on your level. Uh, so he's great at any kind of fighting need to put him at. Um, and then his, his X factor is his, his wit. Uh, this is a guy who can, uh, it was so great at parrying and blocking and reposting and stabby stabby uh, that he can just sit there and, and make shit out of you the entire time while he's doing it. And it can turn a phrase and can throw you off guard and get you pissed off at him so you don't quite pay attention to what you're doing until he goes in for that killing blow. Um, he's also highly acrobatic. He is not uh, above climbing up on walls and jumping off of uh, chandeliers and swinging around on ropes. Again, everything you think when you think swashbuckling. Um, I don't know what's there on Robin Hood. And I didn't even mention his skill with a bow because we're having a sword fight. So. Okay. Okay. Everything you said just that you just said about Robin Hood, mm-hmm. Connor McCloud has seen it. He's seen it. Yeah, I'm sure he's seen the movie a bunch. Yeah, it's an old movie. The guy has the guy was born in fifteen eighteen. Mm-hmm. Okay. He he died in fifteen thirty six. But he's immortal. Ooh, well, fight's over then. Cool, I win. Oh wait, <laughs> what? So he came back. He's immortal. Mm-hmm. He came back. Uh, he was, he was trained 
by Juan Santos Ramirez Villalobos. Uh, portrayed he's a, an, an Egyptian played by the a chief Scottish to the Queen of Spain. <laughs> King Charles V yes. of Spain. An Egyptian Spaniard played by a Scot. Yes, an Egyptian Spaniard played by a, a Scottish man. Uh, Sean Connery. My name is Juan Santos Ramirez Villalobos. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know, b- based on that, based on that impression alone, I think you lose the fight. I'm just saying. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway, uh, his uh, his weapon of choice at first is his like his broadsword, his his normal medieval sword. Uh, but then once Ramirez is killed by the Kurgan. Uh, he, oh, spoiler! Damn. <laughs> he picks up and uh, he uses the katana that once belonged to Ramirez. Um, because he's immortal and because he was born in 1518, he is pretty much literally seen almost every type of sword fighting technique and has basically faced every type of sword. Uh, so if you're coming at him with like a two-hander. He's seen it and done it. If you're coming at him with like a hand and a half, he's seen it and done it. If you're coming at him with a one-handed broadsword, he's seen it. A uh, rapier, a cutlass. I'm sure he has fought against all sorts of manner of men, wielding all sorts of different types of swords and with different techniques and styles. Uh, not to mention the only way that he can be killed is if he's beheaded. Uh, He's also Connor McCloud, not in the beginning, but later, like, especially when he faces the Kurgan at the, well, not necessarily when he faces the Kurgan at the end, but he's a patient and skilled sort of technical sword fighter. Uh, He's very, very good with his blade. And in the movie, the first, I think it's the first sword fight we see him, he's actually sword fighting with his katana against a man who has... I think it's a rapier or some sort of fencing style sword. I know there's more than just a rapier, but I can't think of them right now. There's the rapier, there's the epee, there's the foil, there's the... yeah. But basically, like, the guy he's fighting against, it looks like a a same sort of sword a musketeer would be using. Wait, you're talking Uh, about in in the the, the first fight in the car park? Yes. Hang on, I've actually got that pulled up here. I was watching it in the background while you were doing your thing. Uh, let me rewind here real quick, see if I can. I'm pretty oh, sure it uh, was. So he uses a saber. He's using a saber, actually, is what he's using. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, like I said, he's seen every style, not every style, but he's seen the majority of styles of swords and the style of fighting. Um, He got into a duel when he was drunk and took a few stabs to the abdomen, but, you know. He can walk away from that. He's fine. Well, well, uh, <laughs> well. This this is not a fight to the death. This is who wins the sword fight. Well, and, and, yes, the the the, the well, Connor McLeod is immortal. The only way to kill him, yes, is to take off his so, head. But you know what? If he gets stabbed, Jay, or yeah. if he gets a limb cut off, yeah, he doesn't heal instantly like Deadpool. Yeah. So so hang on here. Wait, hang on. I'm gonna okay. interject here. You're supposed so to be what, impartial. I'm. Well, I mean, <laughs> I see that because I just interjected in my fight. See, it's fine. It's fine. Back. fine. Uh, but one of the things, so we were talking about in, in 
before doing this was that we were we were trying to separate the fantastical from the mundane. We're we're, right. we're concentrating on on their their prowess with a blade. Yes. Um. Connor McLeod's status as an immortal does not actually constitute the mundane. So you can't actually argue that yes, he gets stabbed forty-two times, but he can shake it off. We're okay. At his skill with a blade. Now, now I, I, I completely understand your argument that he's as old as he is and he's experienced as he is. Okay. Um, I'll give Jay that. Connor yeah. McLeod has decades, centuries of yes. experience, and that's yes. that's fine. I'm letting you have that yes. because here's the thing: he's still never fought someone like Errol Flynn Robin Hood. Well, you know I, why? Because Errol Flynn's style. It's pretty much made up. Well, so the people who do get the quote-unquote killing blows on him that would kill a mortal man are of the similar experience. So, Similar experience to who? To Connor. Okay. Um, So this is actually a very difficult, in my opinion, uh, fight to adjudicate with very little data. Because, on on the one hand, you have the Errol Flynn Robin Hood, which does really well at the swashbuckling and the sword fighting and everything. But as you said, it's a it's it's a very Hollywood fight style, and I get that. Um, on the other hand, you get you get Connor McLeod who just look at just look at their fighting styles and speed of movement. How many hits would Errol Flynn get on before Connor is even taking a swing? Because and I'll say this: Connor McLeod is not the best swords fighter it, amongst the immortals. He's slow. He is very slow. He's I, very I, slow. He's very defensive. Errol Flynn is a mile a minute. Jay, why did you give me this fight? You broke Scott. Sorry. <laughs> why did you give me this fight to adjudicate? This is this is a very difficult fight to 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 comprehend. Okay, listen. All right, sure. Errol Flynn, right? He's a mile a minute. But you just said Connor McLeod's extremely defensive. You don't think that in his years and years of being alive and sword fighting that he hasn't already fought somebody that's a mile a minute because he has and he is okay he is defensive but errol flynn's all haphazard haha look at me as soon as he gets an opening as soon because he's he's technical okay counter mcleod is technical with his fighting okay he has to in order to win a fight Against another immortal, he has to behead that immortal. So he's looking for that opening. That's why he's so defensive. He's trying to get that opening. And, and if, if this Errol was Flynn's a contest all, of who could top off whose head first, I'd give it to him. But it's not. It's who oh, wins the oh, fight. So right. right but now, he's like I said, he's looking for the opening. Right. Which that's fine. He's yeah. going he's to create an opening. Yeah. You're going to be so, full of holes and slashes. So here, here's my dilemma. Here's my dilemma. If we took Connor McLeod and the way he does a fight, 
Because I I have a sneaking suspicion that over the centuries, yes, Connor McLeod has centuries of fighting at his uh, 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 an experience at his disposal, right? But that centuries of of of, of fighting has trained him to guard his head and nothing else. Right? But we're not looking at his his status as an immortal because we're looking at the mundane. We're looking at his, his fighting style, not his fantastical ability of immortality. And that's, so, that's fine. Hang on. He, I, he's yeah. still defending. I, I get it. I get it. I get what you're saying. But he's also, like you said, he's looking for that headshot. He's looking for the headshot. He's defensive until he can get that headshot. But if you throw out the immortality, so if a mundane blow could kill him, because he's not looking for a mundane blow, he's not defending against a mundane blow. Because you can't say that he's all about the headshot until we throw out the headshot, and then he's like, oh, he's defending everything. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, his fighting yeah. style is guarding against that headshot against him while looking for the headshot against the other person. Whereas Errol Flynn's Robin Hood is looking for any potential mortal blow he can land. Okay, okay, all right. So, you keep saying throw out the immortality, all right? Yeah. So, let's let's for a second consider this. Yeah. Immortals seek out other immortals. They know when they're facing another immortal. So would Connor McLeod not know that he was facing a mortal? And so, would he not change his style in order to defend against that would this fall sort of competition? Superpower category. Okay. So now But I, how is that a superpower I, just to know that? Because immortals immortal. can tell when others are immortals no, and they're drawn to each other. That's an immortal on, power. Hang on. Hang on. I, I, I can I can agree with Jay's Jay's argument. We just need to call this. Hang on, we got a lot I, more I, fighting to do. No, I know, I know, and, and I get what Jay's saying. Jay's saying that if 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 Connor McCloud came up against Errol Flynn's Robin Hood, he would know just at his core, I'm not fighting an immortal, and he may change his tactics, which means he would not be completely defensive. You know. Just looking for the headshot. However, I still think that his centuries of of of, of combat and stuff, he would not he, he he would instinctively still not defend against what would be considered mortal blows to other people, which we still have to give as mortal blows, because otherwise it's not fair to Errol Flynn's Robin Hood. Because literally, if 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 we don't throw out the immortality, if he has his immortality and Errol Flynn's Robin Hood doesn't know that, then he could just stand there and not defend himself at all. And and Errol Flynn's Robin Hood would just stab, 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 and he'd be like, "Well, that just sucks, doesn't it?" You know. So I I I know it's counterintuitive. But given all of the, the circumstances and the weight, and I understand your arguments, I still have to give it to Errol Flynn's Robin Hood if we throw out the immortality. 
I'm sorry, I disagree because I in no world do I see that Errol Flynn's Robin Hood would defeat Connor McLeod in a sword fight. I can't but I'm not the impartial happens, one. I'm down for it. Yeah, I'm I, not the impartial one here. So, no, I, like, I, like I, I said, and, and once again, in absolutely no world could I ever see Errol Flynn Robin Hood and, defeating Connor McLeod. And, and, and I get what you're saying. I really, really do. Um, but honestly, I I don't think. It's fair for for Connor McLeod to be included in the mundane version of this fight of this bracket. He would most definitely be be included in the the fantastical bracket because of his immortality. If that makes sense. Well, it's not a bracket without an upset, and I think we just had ours. Because as soon as Jay told me I had to defend against freaking Conor McLeod, I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to lose two in a row. Here we go. So, Jay, well, well, you could have you could have lost the only two that you had. So there's that. Well, you could have been in the bracket. So we only had two each. But next fight. But then we wouldn't have had enough for the bracket because that's not how a bracket works. Pick our own two, and then we as a group pick two more. That's how we usually do it. That's okay. It's your bracket. Who's next? Okay. Uh, The last one, the last matchup is Scott's uh, sneezing name person that I only wrote down, Driz. (laughs) You've got to get this right now. Hang on. there's there's the, there's a huge huge dichotomy on how this name is pronounced, so you gotta get it right. Yeah, Driz Dearborn. There we go. Wow. Just wow. Driz Driz Debor. Wow. Driz so, so Driz Orderve. So when it comes to the first name, you're not wrong. There are people who are in the Drizzed uh uh camp. Uh me personally, I pronounce it Drizzit. Uh or Drist. There, there's actually three, but Drist, you you pronounced it Drist, which is fine. The the last name is Deward. Drist, uh, know it, love it. Yep, it. yep, Drist. Okay, against uh, <laughs> John's choice, the what was it? The I just wrote Berserk. Uh, <laughs> the black swordsman, the dark swordsman, the something swordsman, the dude with the, the giant fucking sword. Yeah, we'll get uh, to it. From Berserk. All right, Scott, uh, tell us about Drippy Boy. So here's the thing when it comes to Driss Duarden. In my opinion, Driss Duarden is the greatest uh, swordsman in fictional history. So, he is a dark elf or a drow. I know some people will argue that it's pronounced drow, but I'm not going to get into that debate here. So, the drow are a race of of elves which live underground in the uh, Dungeons and Dragons universe. And and at the time that Drist was was invented or came about in, in... uh, the crystal shard and 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 stuff back in the eighties. Um, they're uh, traditionally they are a, a a more evilly aligned race. So when he was born, so if you picture an elf but with ebony skin and 
bleach white hair. Okay? And their eyes glow red. Okay? Now, their el- their eyes glow red because as a race, they have infravision. They can see heat. Be- be- because they're they're primarily an, an underground race. Mm-hmm. You be quiet, Bone. Um, when he was born, his eyes actually glowed purple or lavender, as is described in the books. Uh, and he came very close to being killed as an infant because the goddess that they that they that they worship, Loth, um, demands the sacrifice of I believe is the thirdborn son. And he was. He was born a thirdborn son of the royal house of uh, uh, House Duarden. Uh, however, at the time of his birth, and actually during the ceremony to sacrifice him, uh, uh, his I think his eldest brother was killed in battle, making him the second born, the second oldest son, not the third oldest son, so he was spared. So flash forward several years uh, to where he's a, a, a young man, probably around 10 years old. And he's going before his mother, the matron mother, matron mother of House Duarden. And um, uh, they were trying to decide where how he was going to be trained. Originally, the matron mother was going to send him to the wizard school, and he was to be trained as a wizard. And the weapon master of House Duarden, uh, a gentleman by the name of Zaknafane Duarden, whom it's hinted at in the books never fully stated was his father, that he and the matron mother kind of had a tryst, interjected and said, matron mother, that would be a mistake. And in order to demonstrate his argument, he had young Drist hold out his hands, palm side down, and he stacked coins on the backs of his hands. Gold coins, about the size of a half dollar. And on his command, Drist threw these coins up into the air and caught all of the coins before they hit the ground. Now, at first, he started with two coins on the back of each hand. Then he went to three coins on the back of each hand. And he continued this demonstration all the way up until ten coins on the back of each hand. Stacked. He threw them into the air and he caught all twenty. Coins to which the matron mother said, How many coins can he do? And Zaknafane's response was, How many coins do you have? Said so this gentleman, this young man deserves to be a fighter, and he's sent to the fighter school. And he trains to be a fighter. And he picks as his weapons to be trained in. He wields dual scimitars of equal length. Now, it is very, very difficult to wield. Two weapons of equal length. Uh, I hearken back to the Porthos uh, um, situation where he he wields a sword and a parrying dagger. If you ever look at people who dual wield weapons, you know, in in actual combat, they're of different lengths because it is very hard to dual wield equal lengths. So he he picks dual dual scimitars is what he wields, and his entire time in the fighter school. He never loses a fight. He goes all the way through. So, 
flash forward to where he's he's done with the fighter school and he's back with Zach Nefane and he's training with Zach Nefane Duarden. And in one of his training sessions, Zach Nefane is, is is they're sparring and he's fighting him. And he starts to work. He starts to try blows that are intentional to work Drist's dual blades high. So they keep going up and up and up to which once they get over Drist's head, Zognafane pulls back and does a double thrust low. Now, the counter to this that Drist has been taught by Zognafane, and this is what they were practicing, is he takes a step back and he does a double cross down parry. To which Driss stops the match. He's like, nope, stop. We're done. Hang on. Zaknafane's like, what? He's like, that's not right. That's not the correct parry. To this, to this. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, you taught me that every action I take should give me an advantage. This gives me no advantage. Zaknafane, his response is, well, you're, you're, you're only partially quoting me. I said every... Every move should give you an advantage or take away a disadvantage. And Driss is like, it's not right. So they, they set it up again and he tries he tries a different move and Zognafane easily, easily dismantles the move he tried. He's like, I tried the same thing when I was your age. Trust me, the double throw, the, the, the cross down parry is the correct counter to this move. Flash forward several years. Driss Duarden, who has who has forsaken his uh, evil, you know, family's ways, and is a fugitive from the Drow, uh, and is hunted by the Drow. Uh, he is facing off against a resurrected. Zoknafane had died and had been resurrected as a zombie by Matron Duarden specifically for the purpose of hunting down his former uh, pupil and possible son. They're fighting on a narrow bridge over lava. And Zoknafane, the, 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 the zombie of Zoknafane, does his thing. You know, and they, they, they call back to the double thrust low. But it's been, it's been several years since then. Driss takes a step back does the cross-down parry and pulls his foot up between his own arms and kicks Zognafane in the jaw, breaking his jaw and putting him on his ass. And Zognafane, even though he's a zombie resurrected for the sole purpose of hunting down Drist, smiles because there's enough of Zognafane left. There's enough of the soul of the old Weapon Master left in this resurrected body to know that he's figured out the counter that he could not. Flash forward many years after that, Driss Duarden is fighting a six-armed Bayetzu from the uh, from the Abyss, who has a weapon in each of the six arms. This is a demon, and he holds his own against the demon. The demon does not land a single blow against Drist. Drist does not land a blow against him. It's all he can do to keep on the defensive. But we are talking a, de a demon versus a mortal. Over the years, at current, 
Driss Duarden is over 200 years old. 200 years old. He has fought every kind of mundane, fantastical, and demonic uh, being that there is, and he has always come out on top. He has even fought in complete and utter magical darkness where no light, no infravision, no dark vision could permeate. And he has come in on top. He has fought the top assassin, Artemis and Trary, of the Forgotten Realms on multiple occasions. After their third fight, Artemis and Trary refused to fight him again. He says, it's all I can do to survive the last three. Now, I admit that Dungeons & Dragons is a fantastical element. And over the course of the, uh, uh, the stories and stuff, yes, I will agree that Drist has gotten some magical weapons and he's gotten some magical uh, bracers and such. Uh, however, the, the magical enchantments of his blades, uh, one, is, one is Twinkle, which it glows blue when I think enemies are around. I don't know if it's specific to race, but when enemies are around... And that's directly stolen from Lord of the Rings. But that's, of... Yeah, it's directly stolen from it's Lord of the Rings. Twinkle. It, it's called Twinkle. That, that's his name. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't actually uh, enhance his fighting ability. Um, uh, the other one is Icing Death, which um, uh, uh, does extra damage against a dragon, which is why I did not bring in his fight against the dragon, uh, because he did have Icing Death and icing death in, in that fight and that was a magical enhancement um but it also protects him against fire which has only helped him against the fight with the dragon um so while yes he has had magical enchantments over the years the 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 specific fights that i mentioned uh were not um um uh, uh, um, uh decisive because of those magical enchantments it's strictly his prowess with a blade. So, there you go. Um, I just have something to say. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Mr. Cox, what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I've ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a <laughs> rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Could have said um, no. Um, actually. Um, wait, 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 wait. No, wait. no, no, no. You just uh, had hey, 15 minutes. Hey, You're done. No, hang on. Hang on. Wait. Sorry. I've got a, a Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Sorry. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. Wait. I can't hear you. What? What's going on? Uh, I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just had some dirt on the floor. I couldn't. I couldn't hear what you were saying there. I'm sorry. Okay. All that? right, John. So, <laughs> I'm actually glad you put this two together. This will be an interesting fight because on one hand you have Scott Sky, Drizzle Bergerber Sermoner, uh, and on the other hand, yeah, make you good have... his name. That's a good defense. Yeah, <laughs> Drizzle for Shizzle. Okay. Yeah, Drizzle for Shizzle, my Drizzle. That guy. On the other hand, you have. The Black Swordsman himself, the Hundred Man Slayer, Guts. Simple name, Guts. Four letters, one name, Guts. Easy to remember, right? There you go. But no, this isn't a battle of who has a cooler, simpler name. I know, I know. 
Let me tell you about Guts, and I'm going to do it in less than 20 minutes. Um, he was trained from childhood to fight with a sword bigger than he is because he was literally born on the battlefield. His mother was killed and he crawled from her womb. He was found by a band of mercenaries <clears throat> and taken in initially as a, a, a random, hey, wow, look at this thing. Isn't this crazy? He very quickly learned uh, traveling from kingdom to kingdom, battle to battle with his band of mercenaries. If he didn't learn to pull his weight, they were just going to drop him like a bad habit. So he learned very quickly how to wield the sword and not just a random like kid side sword because they're, they're, they're mercenaries. They don't have any kid size swords. So he learned to fight with a full broadsword from the age of six. So he's used to using swords much bigger than he is. That's his entire fighting style is based around that. Uh, he eventually links up with a group called the Band of the Hawk or Band of the Falcon, if you're into the original Japanese manga. Um, he he then uh, learns from their leader to dedicate. It's not just enough to live. You have to have something to live for. He dedicates his life to becoming the greatest swordsman in the world. To that end, a few years after training and fighting uh, in the Hundred Years' War with this Band of the Hawk, he comes into a battle where he has to defend uh, uh, one of his his squad mates who happens to be a lady he's in love with. Uh, to buy her time to get away, he fends off 100 enemies from the, the enemy kingdom single-handedly. He slays 100 men. 100 men. Slayer. Scott's immediately going to go for ridiculously huge and he's right it is ridiculously huge but there's a reason for that he's not just a big muscle guy swinging a giant chunk of metal he is the greatest swordsman that has ever lived because his entire fighting style is about using an oversized sword to his advantage it throws his enemies off let's see oh he's gonna take one swing it's gonna get stuck in the mud he won't be able to get it out and what is going and stab him to death yeah call it a day no he can move that sword as well as anyone can, as fast as uh, Inigo Montoya can move his rapier. He can block, he can repost, he can he can uh, parry. That's a word I can't think of. Uh, he is, with that sword, as lethal as any other swordsman with any other regular size sword because he's trained to use that sword. Very tactical fighter. He will always find a way to exploit his opponents. He's not above fighting dirty. He may or may not have at one point used a bunch of kids to distract the enemy so we could kill him. He's not above fighting dirty. <clears throat> if you want to talk fighting supernatural elements, that's fine. Let's do that. Guts, at a certain point, was given over, uh, along with the entire band of the Hawk, to a group of demons called the God Hand as a sacrifice so that their leader could elevate himself to becoming one of the God Hand demons himself. He is marked for death by these, basically, uh, the, the, the manga's version of, like, the the um, uh, Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, these, these five uber demons. So evil throughout the land is drawn to Guts because he has a brand on him. He has this brand because it's the brand of the sacrifice. He's been given up as sacrifice. He survived his sacrifice. They couldn't kill him. So now they have spent every waking moment trying to kill Guts. Guts kills demons and supernatural zombie armies and skeletons come back to life for fucking breakfast. Uh, that is his, his, that's what he does. Uh, before any of this even happened, he came to blows with a, a uh, half man, half demon called Nosferatu Zod. He was the first mortal in 300 years to wound the monster. Uh, this is walking in blind, having no idea what he's fighting against. And he doesn't just rely on his sword. 
But you want to talk swords? Swords are awesome. Swords with names are even cooler. But let's be honest. Sometimes the name of a sword can kind of make it sound less cool. No offense to Twinkle. Uh, but but <laughs> my boy Guts has a sword called Dragon Slayer. It was forged at the behest of a king by a blacksmith who wanted them uh, commissioned a weapon that could kill a dragon. Thus, he made Dragon Slayer. And until Guts came along, no one was strong enough to wield it. Uh, he also has, uh, well, I'll ignore that because we didn't want to get into supernatural stuff. Uh, keep becoming a dragon. Uh, the blade itself is tempered in the blood and souls of the defeated demons he's fought, meaning it is just as effective against supernatural enemies as it is uh, mundane ones. Uh, he also has uh, throwing knives. He has a dagger. He has a repeating crossbow mounted on his artificial arm. Oh, didn't I mention he has a metal arm? Because he's fucking metal. Uh, he lost his arm as part of that sacrifice, but it's okay. He built himself a mechanical one. Uh, and inside that arm is concealed a cannon. Yeah. So I won't mention the berserk armor because we said no supernatural stuff. It's fine. It's fine. Um, there you go. Uh, here's how this is going to go down. Drizzt is going to show up with his his cool shining twinkle scimitars and do some really cool fancy technical stuff. And he's going to get thrown off guard because he's going to see Guts walk up and be like, that's not a sword. It's a freaking metal beam. He's going to take one swing and get tired out. And then Drizzt is going to come at him and Guts is going to block it. And he's going to be like, whoa, what? Huh? And then Guts is just going to just decimate him. So, so. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you can make fun of Twinkle all you want. Oh, Twinkle's a cute little name. Yeah, yeah, dressed is a weird name, yeah. But, Seems to really bug you. Know, you. But if, if you're talking you're talking mundane stuff here, non-magical. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's why I didn't mention the Berserk armor. Yeah, yeah, yeah as, as you mentioned it for the third time. Yeah, way to not mention it for the third time. Um, but... You take a look at that sword. There is nobody, nobody with any kind of non-magical or non-augmented strength can wield that blade. Guts is 100% human, buddy. It's not possible. It's not possible. I'm sorry. It's one of those anime things that just looks fucking bullshit. I mean, literally, the thing is three feet wide and 14 feet long. You, there's no, There's no human being on Earth that can wield that blade with any kind of a degree that 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 the the cartoon would suggest. I'm sorry, it's just not. Your dimensions are a little off, but uh, and again, yes, he can because he spent his entire life training with swords bigger than he is. And again, hundred percent human, does it all the time, and that is usually how he ends up taking over an opponent is because they take a look at that sword and think it's ridiculous and think he can't actually fight with it and then he throws them off guard because yes he can fight with that sword as good as anyone else can with any other sword well i don't know uh i made my case against drist if you know jay wants to rule in favor of a gentleman with a sword that's the same size as you know the monolith from 2001 a space odyssey then cool <laughs> Uh, I think this comes down to neither Scott nor I know enough about our opponent to really make much of an argument about it. So we're just going to argue in favor of our guy and let Jay come up with it. Exactly. This is why my entire defense of Twinkle's a dumb name for a sword is about all I had. I don't know anything else about the character. So (laughs) 
All I know is Guts is a freaking badass, and Scott's the one who brought up, oh, he's so cool, he killed the demon. And I'm like, Guts kills demons before breakfast, dude. That's just like it's a day for him. Well, see, so Scott was complaining about the last matchup being a tough decision. Yep. You know, Robin Hood versus the Highlander. I get you. Uh, what? Wow. Any, wow. Really? The, the, the disdain in that statement alone tells me you've already made your decision. No, I listened to both uh-huh. arguments. I uh-huh. did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Robin Hood versus the Highlander. Yeah. yeah. Well, a Highlander. Okay. There's Duncan out there, too, somewhere. So he's one of them. So here's here's the problem that, that I have with this. Okay, go ahead. Both people in this sword fight aren't exactly mundane. Okay? Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Both of them have some sort of fantastical element to them, which is why, actually, when I came up with this, I did pair them together. I think it's a good I, pairing, Jay. I really do. Because when it came down to it, I knew I was going to have to make this decision. But not knowing enough about each character yet, I had to listen to the arguments. Okay. And what I gathered from the arguments is that uh, this this Driz Drizit Driz Drizzle for Shizzle, uh, he he is a good swordsman. He is he's a good swordsman. He's got two swords that he wields very well and is very good at wielding his two swords. I hear the butt coming. Okay, now, the other hand, you've got Guts, who is wielding a giant freaking sword and does that to the best of his ability, whether or not it is believable in reality is is irrelevant in this, this argument, okay? What, what I am going to say, though, is that I'm going to use the Porthos argument that John made earlier, saying that, Porthos is not a gentleman and would use a musket against a bronze armored person, which is true. Uh, he did bring up the the hidden cannon in the fake arm, which I'm sure he would use immediately on uh, Drizzle for Shizzle. Well, now, now hang on. Now, you know, but, if, but if, if, hang on. Now, if we're talking about stuff outside of swordplay that they can use, I've got other shit Driss can no, bring. No. That I haven't mentioned. Right. But that's why I, I said but. sticking to the sword play. But that's why I said but. <laughs> but. Okay. If you're going with just sheer sword play. I feel like. In my opinion. And this is. This is no way weighted against anything. Earlier. Because. Both of my people got kicked out anyway. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I hold no grudges. Okay. <laughs> They're both done, okay? He holds so. no grudges, and by that he means he holds grudges against both of us. Got it. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Offset grudges, <laughs> repeat us down. I feel like trying to maintain control over two weapons versus maintaining control over one weapon is immensely more challenging, which is why I think that Guts would mm-hmm. take this this bullshit. I call bullshit. He's been training with those weapons since he was like, you know, 12. That's uh, been training since he was second six. fucking nature so. to him. But it's still immensely more challenging uh, to try to maintain and control yeah. two weapons yeah. versus it, it, one. 
It's and as soon more as challenging to, to to maintain control of two practical weapons versus one that's three feet by fourteen feet. Sure, but yeah. Weren't you the one talking about how using two scimitars the same length is hard to do? Hard, not impossible. Okay, but more challenging but, than three feet by fourteen feet. I'm telling you, that thing has got to weigh 147 pounds. I like that every time you mention it, the sword gets bigger. <laughs> No, three but feet in the her. realm, it's the same thing. If you go back and listen to it, I use the same dimensions every okay. time. Okay. Anyway, in the realm of what we're talking about, guts can control it, can maintain it. So when we still lie about swords in, here, uh... <laughs> when, when inevitably, <laughs> when inevitably that I feel like drizzle for shizzle would be. Oh. Removed of at least really? one of his swords, really? he's really? at a distinct disadvantage. Really, really, we keep making fun of his name. All right, you know what? Fine, you don't like his name. His name is impossible for you to pronounce. Fine, let's just let's, you're, you're you're basing it off that. I get it. Everybody else get the listeners get it. That's all right. Cool. Go ahead. Go ahead. What? Give it to b- b- Berserk, Mister Berserker Man. There. Yeah, it's all right. Sorry. Right. Go get it. I I have I no I idea. I have no idea why you're so upset about this, Scott. You literally have two guys on one side of the back bracket. John has two guys on the other side of the bracket. I have no guys in the bracket. Wait, is the last going to be me fighting me and Scott fighting Scott? And then you fighting Scott. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Cool. So, so, yes, let's, let's keep complaining. <laughs> we'll uh we'll just let this go for another hour and a half. Okay. So, so anyway. we've all given our argument for our our fighters wants. So from this point yeah. on, it should just be very quickly summing up why that fighter is talented and going from there. Okay, <clears> Scott, Inigo so, yeah. Porthos. Inigo and Porthos. Mm. Uh so oh shit. Uh Wow, that's a that's a that's a, that's a hard one. Uh, just off the top of my head, um, oh shit, I kind of want to give it to Porthos. Just off the top of my head, because I mean, Inigo is a great fighter. He's a great fencer. You know, he's trained all of his life and and everything. Uh, but he's trained all of his life to fight one man. And everything, and and Porthos is well. He's Porthos the pirate, you know. I mean, he he's he he adapts very well. He's um, he's uh, he, he's off the cuff. He, uh, he 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 doesn't get hemmed in, you know. Uh, he's got a, a he's got a, a veritable cornucopia of of skill sets he can he can he can take from to. Uh, to take down his opponent and stuff. So just like I said, just 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 off the top of my head, just initial gut reaction. I want to give it to Porthos. What do you all think? My gut reaction would be actually the same, and simply because Inigo kind of has that like chivalry to him. Um, again, based on the fight we the fights we've seen him have. <clears throat> he's still kind of gentlemanly about the combat, and Porthos has no problem playing dirty. Um, yeah, I think Porthos would take advantage of that. Skill with the blade, right. I would give it to Inigo, but who would win the fight? I, I would have, I think Porthos gets the edge. All right. So mine, my vote is disregarded because it was already majority. So 
That well, who were you going to say anyway? Yeah, what, 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 what's your thoughts? I mean, oh, you know, oh, well, you oh, it's okay. It the listener, we got people listening to this. They want to know what you think, Jay. <laughs> what I think is irrelevant. I think my fighters lost, and I'm I'm <laughs> miffed about <laughs> it. No <laughs> more tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely have to change uh, two brackets in the future. I see. Okay. Uh honestly, no, honestly, um. I would disagree with you guys. I would really? give it to an ego. Yeah. I thought for sure you'd go Porthos because he's your boy. No. Okay. Um I Porthos can he can hold his own one on one. We've seen it one on one. Uh we've seen him in large group battle, but have we seen him take on a majority of foes? Uh I just think Anigo's got the blade skill more so than Porthos. And yeah, you're right. Anigo's got that um, chivalry, but if he's going against somebody that he knows isn't chivalrous, like the six-fingered man, all that chivalry goes out the window. Uh, so, so I think, you know, and again, you're you're looking more into it, but I think as soon as he got into a sword fight with Porthos and realized that Porthos really wasn't quote-unquote playing fair, that Anigo would quickly divert to versus the six-fingered man type an ego you know what i mean instead of like he's very chivalrous and and good with uh the man in black or dread pirate roberts or wesley whatever you want to say um but that's why i would give it to an ego over porthos but it was a majority so well now i want to change my vote I mean, I'm just saying, like, yeah, I hadn't even thought of that fight with the six fingered man. He he's, yeah. he's shows a whole different side. You're right. Yeah. So so and and, and here's the thing, and, and this is why you shouldn't shouldn't immediately discount because we are in our immediate arguments because you get to make an argument to try and dissuade us. Which you that's, just yeah, I I'm yeah, swinging that's it my to, opinion. I'm swinging it to Nigo. Jay Yeah, that's uh nah, you're right. Yeah. I had completely forgot about that fight with with the six stringer man. We're just being cruel and in in trying to exact more pain than he can. Now that's yeah, no. Yeah, he is like he like in that one. I mean, he slashes his face, and then at the end of it, he just stabs him in the heart and says, "Give me back my father, you son of a bit." You know what I mean? Like, which he's pissed. Yeah, well, I mean, I, uh, so so breaking out of our bracket thing here. If, if anybody actually doesn't know the behind the scenes of that scene. Uh, I, I'm John. I'm sure you have, Jay. I don't know if you've heard the behind the scenes of that that scene. Um, Tell us oh, anyway. I don't, I don't know. Well, so so yeah. Uh, oh God, it, it it just adds so much context and weight to that. So literally, like in the weeks before, the weeks and months before filming that scene, Manny Potemkin's father was battling cancer. Ooh, and literally, like a week. So days before filming that scene, in the, uh, uh, Manny Potemkin's father died of cancer. And he'd gone to the funeral and they'd done everything. And he came back and that was the first scene that he filmed after losing his father, Manny Potemkin, his real father. And so when he filmed that scene, that is Manny Potemkin talking to cancer. He's not talking to the six-finger man. That is not Inigo Montoya talking to the six-finger man. That is Manny Potemkin 
telling cancer personified, I want my father back, you son of a bitch. Yeah. And oh but my that's why God. I... Yeah, when you look at, when you know that and you watch that scene with that, the weight of what he's saying, it's just, oh, it's intensified. So, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, yeah, they that, that, that can real. So uh, I did our... not know that. <clears throat> so what yeah. is our final? I'm going and you go. I'm still going to vote Porthos, but that's my final vote, you know, so we we go with final votes. Okay, I say Inigo. And John said Inigo. Inigo. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then that brings us to this matchup. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Guts versus Robin Hood. Guts. <laughs> I'm going Robin Hood. Oh, versus... oh, okay. So look, I love Robin Hood and, and screw you for making me have to vote against Errol and Robin Hood. I hate you, <laughs> you bastard. Uh, but here's how it's going to play out. Guts is going to take a swing. Robin's going to go to try to block and Guts' sword is going to go right through Robin's sword and cut him in half. Uh, those two fighting styles just are not going to work. Uh, I mean, Robin might be able to outlast a little bit by, you know, being nimbly bimbly. Um, but, but one guts lands one blow and Robin's done. So and guts is very used to stabby stabby and, and enduring pain. So I don't know how much no, I did guts. It's guts. Scott. Well, so we're going to we're going to have an issue here because once again, as we stated earlier, I don't really know the 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 black swordsman from Berserk. I don't even know what Berserk is. I can lend you all 40 volumes. <laughs> no, okay. You know, uh, so we already know that I'm biased against the three foot wide, 14 foot long sword. Right. And I can't hide that because uh, it just I look at it and I'm like, fuck, it's just impractical of a weapon unless you have superhuman strength. But we're trying to throw out any any fantastical elements and just go with sword play here. Um, based on that, and I'm actually going to loop this back around to the Achilles fighting style, because the, 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 the Errol Flynn Robin Hood is very fast, very quick, uh, very, very aggressive in his fighting style. So barring any supernatural damage reduction, I honestly think, I agree that yes, if, if the, uh, Black Swordsman Berserk dude um landed a blow with that sword yes he would just he you know he he would cleave him in twain you know sorry i tried to yeah um you know he would just there'd be no contest but i don't think because the because the arrow from robin hood is so nimble so agile with his with his more practical blade um i i think he would easily easily get around whatever blows were coming at him and he would land a mortal blow on berserk uh before berserk could you know get that that uber blow against him um my so, only the only thing i would say against that is robin's going to have to have spider-man like agility to dodge every blow coming at him because there's no physical way he can block or parry a a, yeah. uh, a strike from uh, yeah. the dragon slayer no i, I get what you're saying because of the manga because of the way the manga presents him wielding that blade but uh, once again without superhuman ability i don't think any normal human could wield that blade in that manner 
even if they trained from infancy to wield that blade. I, so Scott I won't buy into the conceit of Berserk. <laughs> so yeah, I don't get Jay, it. It's coming I, out of I, you then, buddy. Yeah, I'm going to go with Robin Hood. Um, I, I'm going to agree with John, and I would give it to Guts. Um, uh, based on the fact with you, and I'm going to say you're wrong. Okay. Uh, <laughs> based on the fact that once again, you sort of have to suspend your disbelief. You have to disconnect from reality to understand how he can wield this sword in the way that he does. Now, again, I'm with you, Scott. I've never seen, I've never read berserk i want to i really do after john's talked about it so much i feel like i'd enjoy it a lot uh but from what i've heard and the arguments i've heard the way that he can wield that sword and and wield it like any normal man could wield a normal sword i have to give it to guts uh, because again unless robin hood is spider-man uh he's not going to be able to block everything or avoid all the contact Y'all know I wouldn't and, vote against Robin Hood lightly, right? I mean, you know, it's killing me inside to say that, right? Yeah. And screw you, Jay, for making me vote against myself. Hey, no, it makes me bleed my own blood. You know what? All of that could have been avoided. But Scott believed that Robin Hood could beat uh, uh, Connor McLeod, so. Okay. So, where does that put Blame us Scott. Bracket, sir? <laughs> well, uh brings it, us yeah. to the... Yeah, to the we're we're going with Inigo Montoya versus Berserker, and we're back to the exact same. Uh, argument. Oh God! Yes, we're back to the exact same argument. So yeah, it's it's over. I mean, there's no argument because because Inigo Montoya is just an average mundane person wielding a mundane sword, whereas you have a Berserker who apparently does the impossible that I can't argue around. So, because we have to suspend disbelief. And in my opinion, the argument of suspending disbelief should be enough to disqualify Berserker right there. But that's just me. Well, well, you have to. Here's what we could do. (laughs) We can all have our say. And we can, when this episode's posted, we can put it up to a vote on the Facebook page. Well, and this is all in good fun anyway. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not actually upset. I may sound it, but you know, uh, when Scott gets upset, he walks away. I've seen it like once. (laughs) No, honestly, honestly, though, this matchup is kind of intriguing. Okay. Okay. I, and here's here's what I say. This is this is my this is my two cents. Okay. Again, going with the whole he can wield this sword in the same way that uh normal man can wield any sword. And Anigo has been um working his whole life and training to be a great swordsman and he he even said himself that he would find anybody who would train him uh and so what i think is that 
Because if it was, let's say it was Inigo versus Robin Hood, I would give the edge to Inigo in that fight. Because I think Inigo is more skilled than Errol Flynn Robin Hood. And clearly I think he's more skilled than Zorro or Porthos. So what I think, what in my opinion, I think that he would be able to, and I don't want to say parry or block the Dragon Slayer because there's no way he could do that. But I feel like he'd be better at avoiding it than Robin Hood. Well, I was going to say this. <clears throat> so take Dragon Slayer out of it. Right. Uh, and just give Guts a regular uh, medieval European broadsword. Right. What you then come down to is a clash of fighting styles. Because Inigo is very much trained in that fencing, uh, the long, thin rapier to get in between the armor the uh, blocking and pairing until you see an opening and going for it. And then Guts is more trained in the European broadsword, which is much more physical, much more, but there is some blocking and pairing, but it's mostly about yeah. putting weight behind a swing and inflicting damage onto an enemy's armor. So you've got two different, very different fighting styles, yeah. even if you take Dragon Slayer out of it. Yeah, so, hey, so hang on. So, okay, sorry, I just had an epiphany as soon as you said that. So, if you look at Dragon Slayer in the sweet, way it's sweet. Yeah. I, I know. If, if you look at Dragon Slayer as as, 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 as apostrophe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we couldn't do it, Scott. We couldn't do it. No, no. Sorry, no, your apostrophe. I see, Continue. I see what you're saying. So if you look at Dragon Slayer the way it's presented artistically as literally just an art style, but it's not it's not meant to that like like that over that that huge anime style blade that's not practically what it could be it could be just like a standard two-handed claymore or a hand and a half sword right but with a different fighting style right mm -hmm. is that what you're saying just just throw out the way it looks it's yeah, just the, that and i was literally just throw out the sword itself and it, the, okay. the, it comes down yeah. to the fighting styles yeah yeah see now that why didn't you say that before because that i can get behind because I didn't I have just, my epiphany until then. Well, my apostrophe. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that that <laughs> that I can get behind because I'm like, shit. No, you're right. If I just because that's just the way some artist drew it. It could be drawn different ways. Um, yeah. Um, now I I still disagree that he would have been dressed, but that's a different matter. But um, but yeah, no. Uh, so if I look at it as if. You know, if I if, if Robin Hood and um, Black Swordsman are wielding regular, you mean an ego. I'm sorry, an, an ego. I, I thought I was. Yeah. Wrong. Sorry. Um. So if I look at it that way, and I look at the fighting styles of a of a larger, you know, European broadsword, uh, two handed sword style fighting versus an ego's uh very you know um uh uh french uh rapier style fighting uh and everything um i think i could i could make an argument for an ego on on that one and not just not just because he's mine but just looking at the fighting styles uh in egos is 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 quicker it's more balanced it's uh you know uh it, it's it's less it's less power from the hip and and more um um I'm sorry power from the shoulders and more um 
<laughs> finesse from the hip. Uh, and everything. yeah, I think it comes down to finesse and yeah. technique versus brute force. Um, yeah, yeah. And not that there's not technique that goes into using a broadsword, but exactly. it, it's. But I, I was I was getting hung up on that visualization of the sword uh, and everything, but yeah, your your apostrophe, <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> you know. You know, it doesn't have to be visualized that way, and it's just a different fighting style and everything. Yeah, I'm I'm all for making an argument now, and I would make an argument for an ego. Um, I don't want to say I'm trying to get myself out of this, but if we ignore Dragon Slayer, yourself out of this. <laughs> yeah, if we ignore if we ignore our Dragon Slayer, and just go with a normal either hand and a half or like scott said two-handed scottish claymore type thing then i would give the edge to an ego if we're keeping dragon slayer and his ability to wield it in that way i would give the edge to guts like honestly well i know that well and i know hang on so you say ignore dragon slayer or bring in dragon slayer what properties of dragon slayer are you ignoring or accepting so for me like when i think about it i'm thinking about just like and i know it's hard for you to wrap your head around not hard for you but it can't get past it the size and reach that he would have with that sword so you're versus, looking you're looking at the length of that sword yeah versus like the size and length he would have with a, bro- a regular broadsword well i mean a, a scottish claymore does have a decent reach yeah i feel okay. like i feel like he'd be able to fend off just with the reach you know what i mean yeah i don't and, think I mean, ego could get in close unless he really worked at it to get yeah, in to get that killing blow. I, I get what you're saying, but so let's 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 throw out the the obvious anime visualization of uh, Dragon Slayer that that big. Okay, clearly I think so like let's, at three feet. Let's, but but let's we, say he's but, using um yeah uh, like Glam Dream. Yeah, like yeah, again, like again, it comes down to who's yeah. going to win: a master fencer using French style fencing techniques, or Someone with a medieval two-handed broadsword using medieval two-handed broadsword style of fighting. Yeah, and, and I don't know, I don't know uh, a, a black black sword, so I don't know his fighting style. But uh, once again, I I think that Inigo with his 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 nimble fighting style could get past the reach. I don't know. I could see it going either way, and I, I don't mean yeah. to, to say it as a cop out. But and again, an ego in that style of fighting and that particular weapon, it's more of death by a thousand cuts. Um, knowing guts and in, in, again, guts' style is more about power, um, and he's talented enough. He could block enough shots. I think this would be more of like this would be like rocky versus apollo creed in rocky one but with swords it would be who's <laughs> going to outlast the other one guts is yes. tough guts can take lots of damage and an ego would certainly dish out lots of damage but it's going to be smaller amounts of damage versus guts is always going to go for that killing blow 
and with with weight and power behind it. And eventually, even if Indigo uh, is good enough to block and parry all that, he's going to wear down. And I think that's where this ultimately goes is, is how long does this fight go? Yeah, uh, I can see it going either way. I'm not just trying to make that as a cop out. Yeah. Honestly, I can see it going well, either way. And, and right now, I think it comes down to Jay. It's going to come down to your vote. You know, no pressure, but whichever way you're going to vote, you're going to make one of us hate you forever. Well, you know, it's fine. Uh, I already hate you both. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think like, and like what, like you said, when you boil it down to that and war of attrition, uh, they're both going to be able to fight through the pain. But at some point in time, I do feel like an ego is going to be too worn down Uh, to block and carry anything anymore. uh, Uh, Or an ego. I I just do. I think he's just going to get worn down. um, Because, like, that that power fighter style will wear you down. Like, you're going to have to block and parry a lot of heavy hits. It will. It, it, you're you're right. It will. Um, you know, Driss could have done it. I'm just saying. Oh Jesus. Uh, so <laughs> I think with my vote, I would give it to Guts, which I think would make Guts our Guts is our winner. March Madness. The Black Swordsman, Swordsman takes it. So there you have it. Wow. That brings us to the end of this long and grueling three-way duel. Thank you for sticking with us this long, if you're still here. Yes, if you're still here, if you're still listening, uh, hopefully you'll have some good inside jokes to share. Um, We had some good inside jokes to share. We had a few apostrophes. (laughs) (laughs) But what do you think? How do we do? What can we change? Do you agree with us? Do you you disagree with us? Uh, Do you think we're all just full of shit? Uh, <laughs> let us know. Should we ever try this again? Oh, we're definitely full of shit. <laughs> That's not yes. even a question. Should we try it again? What should we do it with the next time? Let us know. But until then, this has been your weekly nerd alert. Should, should I cue my thing that I have here? Yes, cue your, cue your thing. thing. Cue your thing. You're so it, Gisborne. Thank you.